Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. I hope you're having a fabulous day. Well, we're getting ready to start another letter from Paul. Uh, and it's going to be his letter to the Galatian church. Now, we just finished up with Corinthians. He's in Ephesus. He, we just finished up his letter to the Corinthian church. And he's still in Ephesus. Now he's going to write a letter to the uh, Galatian churches. Uh, there's a little bit uh, of uncertainty about when he wrote this, if he wrote this while he was in Ephesus or if he wrote it while he was in Corinth or if he wrote it just after his first missionary journey. This could have been his earliest letter that he wrote. But the Bible help I'm using has him writing this letter from Ephesus, so I'm just going to go with that. To me, it doesn't really matter when he wrote it. There's little to no doubt as to the fact that he was the author of the letter. And he's going to be addressing uh, an issue in this letter that really strikes a chord with me, believe it or not. Have you ever had anybody in your life that just put the target on your back? And you honestly, you don't know why they've picked you to pick on. When I was in grade school, uh, I was bullied. I've talked about that some. Uh, And bullies are such that they really don't need a reason. It's totally at their whim and whimsy who they bully. It's not a matter of getting justice. There's no justice. A bully just bullies you. And it was one of the hardest things in life that I've ever had to deal with because when somebody attacks me and there's a reason for it, okay, well, I'm, I'm able to deal with that. Did I take something from them? Did I hurt their feelings? Did I hurt them? You know, if there's if this is a reciprocal action based on something that I had done to them, well, that's that's an understandable situation. But when you haven't done anything to anybody, and yet they they come after you, that's the way it was with me for several years when when I, uh, grade school and through junior high, and uh, I just never really got a handle on why they felt the way they did and why they did what they did. Well, that's kind of what Paul dealt with almost his entire time as an apostle. His apostleship was rather unique. He wasn't one of the original 12. But he was still claimed as an apostle to the early church. And we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But there were people who questioned that, mainly because of where he came from. He used to be a persecutor of the church. We get that. So... I don't know what made these people come after Paul, but it seemed like everywhere Paul went, there's a group called the, that he calls the Judaizers that would follow after him and try to demean his authority, denounce his claim to be an apostle, and denounce his claim for membership in the church for the for people that he converted, that he led to the Lord. Uh, Paul was very definitely an apostle to the Gentiles and they had problems with Gentiles coming into the church and not adhering to Mosaic law. These were people who, for one reason or another, still felt that the Christian faith was a subset of Judaism and they felt that, that this was just another phase of their religion and therefore any adherence to it 
had to adhere to Jewish Mosaic law, which Paul firmly pushed back against. But it seemed like wherever Paul went, Judaizers went after him. When he first began preaching, it happened. He had to go to Jerusalem to defend his case of admitting Gentiles into the church without having them obey the Mosaic law. In fact, Peter was actually the one who introduced Gentiles. Remember, he went to Cornelius' household. And he saw that they were saved without being Jewish. So this was a controversy in the first century. And it looks to me like I don't know if these people were true members of the church or if they were members of Judaism that were trying to corral this movement and to bring it back under the umbrella of Judaism. Don't know. But that's kind of what Paul was going after and what he's fussing with. So let's take a look at it, the first chapter. See what we got to say here. I wrote, I start off with this introduction from my commentary, which I thought was great. Judaizers were Jewish Christians who believed, among other things, that a number of the ceremonial practices of the Old Testament were still binding on the New Testament church, including Gentile believers. Following Paul's successful campaign in Galatia, they insisted that Gentile converts to Christianity practice certain Old Testament rites, especially circumcision. In other words, they must first become Jews in order to become part of the people of God. They may have been motivated by a desire to avoid persecution from zealous Jews who objected to accepting Gentiles, uh, who did not adopt the requirements of the Jewish law. The Judaizers argued that Paul was not an authentic apostle and that out of a desire to make the message more appealing to Gentiles, he had removed from the gospel certain legal requirements. Paul responded by clearly establishing his apostolic authority and thereby substantiating the gospel he preached. By introducing additional requirements for justification, especially the works of the law, his adversaries had perverted the gospel of grace and unless prevented would bring Paul's converts into the bondage of legalism. It is by grace through faith alone that people are justified. And it is by faith alone that they are to live out their new life in the freedom of the spirit. All right, that's an overview of, of Paul's letter to the Galatians. Let's get started. Chapter 1, Paul, an apostle. Sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Now, where is Galatia? Let's go up here. We got a map right here. All right, you see Paul is in Ephesus over here. And we see, you see Paul's in Ephesus. And Galatia is this middle area right through here. Uh, we have Pisidia, Antioch. They have, there was Lystra, Derby. Those are cities that are around here. If I'm not mistaken, he went there in his first missionary journey. So now he's kind of following up. People have come from Jerusalem and trying to make these people into card-carrying Judaistic Christians without following all the law and everything. That's where it was. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. All right. Well, what's the gospel? 
What is Paul? What was Paul preaching? Jesus Christ crucified, raised on the third day, died for our sins. And they've already established, they've already settled this issue in Jerusalem, where the the in Acts we read where they said they sent a message out to the Jewish converts in Antioch. Uh, to, I'm sorry, to the Gentile converts in Antioch, saying, "Please don't eat meat sacrificed to idols." Don't eat the blood from me, you know, obey, just respect some of these Jewish traditions so as not to offend your Jewish brethren. But you are under no obligation to, to follow the whole of the law. It was evident that God was saving these people, adopting them into the family of God without them following fully the Jewish Mosaic law. And this was hard for a lot of the Jewish folks to understand because that's what was drilled into them from the very beginning. If you're Jewish, if you're Jewish, this is what you do. Now, when when you become a Christian in that world, I've met more than a few Jewish people who came out of Judaism into Christianity, and they still pay homage to a lot of the feasts and traditions of their Jewish faith. It's just that now they see these traditions as joyful reminders and signs pointing to the Messiah. They don't do it out of a legalistic, oh, I've got to do this so that I can stay saved kind of thing. They they do it because it reminds them of who Jesus is and there's a new impetus and there's a new focus. So for the Jewish believer, all the celebrations and feasts and things of that nature in the Jewish law become a point of joy. But see, that was because that's also part of the culture. Their entire culture was looking for Messiah. Messiah has come. And now all these things that they used to do out of sheer obedience and legalism now becomes just a reflection of Messiah to them. Everything reminds them. The sacrifices remind them. The feasts remind them. The Passover reminds them. It it becomes a point of joy with them. But for a non-Jew who has not grown up in this culture, doesn't understand the complexities of the Mosaic law and wasn't raised in that environment, for him to be forced to follow after these things, that just becomes a bunch of rules to follow. I don't know if I'm explaining this correctly, but for those people that were in Judaism who became believers, everything, almost everything within the Jewish faith becomes points to Messiah and becomes a point of joy and their adherence to these continued adherence to these customs is a point of worship for them totally get it but if you're not out of that environment what do they need well you don't need that other stuff to be saved what you need to realize is that you are saved by grace through faith you're justified by faith and that is the minimum requirement come into the kingdom of God. So these Judaizers were trying, were following Paul around, trying to force these Gentile believers into the Jewish mold. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul, upon his conversion, did not go running back to Jerusalem to be taught the gospel by the by the other apostles they didn't bring him up to speed they didn't 
put him through a quick crash course on on uh, the gospel. No. If you remember what happened in Damascus, he gets saved, he gets preaching, and then he he... We're going to find out he goes away for a short time, comes back, goes to Jerusalem, and then he goes to Tarsus where he stays for seven or eight or nine years. Now, what was happening in that seven, eight, or nine years? He was being taught by Jesus. That's the only, he didn't have, from what I can gather, he had no contact with the apostles while he was in Tarsus. And when Barnabas goes to get him for the first missionary journey, Paul comes bursting out of the gates. He becomes a force of nature and he starts establishing churches and he starts preaching this gospel that allowed Gentiles to come in. So where did he get this idea of the Gentiles? Did he get it from Peter? I don't think so. It just says he was by himself. He was isolated. The only explanation is what he gives here. I received this gospel by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me on the way to Damascus so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. See that, listen, listen to that statement again. When God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among Gentiles, God gave Paul, Jesus gave Paul, specific marching orders. You will go to the Gentiles. That's what he's saying. God revealed his son so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went into Arabia and later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter, Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days. Now, 15 days is not enough to give someone a crash course on the Old Testament and Jesus. He fellowshiped with Peter for 15 days. He said, I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is no lie. He's saying the gospel I presented was presented to me by Jesus himself. And yes, I went to see Peter and James, the two leaders of the church, but they didn't teach me this. God appointed me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Now, Peter, God had used Peter to open the door to show that Gentiles could be admitted, but Peter was not the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was. Paul's specific ministry was going to be to the Gentiles. Yes, he went to the Jews first. He was Jewish. He would always go to the synagogue, start there, and then move out into the Gentile world. He said, then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. So here's the deal. The Judaizers were coming on the heels of Paul. Paul would come up into town, preach. People would be saved. He'd establish a fellowship there, a church there. And then he'd move on to the next place. And then Judaizers would come in behind him. Judaizers, excuse me, would come in behind him. And they would start to tear down. He's not really an apostle. 
He wasn't with Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew. He wasn't with those guys during Jesus' ministry. He's not a real apostle. Um, Therefore, him calling himself an apostle is absolute lunacy. This is what they'd be saying. And therefore, his message, his gospel to the Gentiles is illegal, is wrong. If you want to be a follower of God, you have to adopt the Mosaic law as your as your guiding force. And, you know, there is, when the enemy comes at us, if he were to come at us with a total lie, he'd be easy to see. But he masks his lie sometimes under the canopy of a truth. Puts just enough truth He puts just enough truth in the lie to make the lie seem believable. And when at the beginning of of this time, in this first century, the scripture was the Torah, the five books of Moses. That's all they had. And they shared that with their Jewish brethren. So if you're going to be using our scriptures, you have to read them our way. That's kind of what these Judaizers were saying. Paul initially starts off by saying, look, do you think I'm trying to win the approval of human beings? No. That's the answer to that is no. Am I trying to please people? No. If I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Paul was swimming upstream in a lot of ways in this first century. He was overcoming the barrier of you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the Mosaic law in order to be entered into the kingdom and become a child of God. You have to realize that the Jewish people felt they were the children of God, the chosen people of God, and there's truth to that. But you also have to realize that Paul, what the message Paul is bringing is butting heads up against that. He's saying all you need is to be justified by faith through grace, and we're going to get into that in a little bit more. He has to establish his apostleship. He says, you're right. I didn't consult with Peter and James and John and the brothers and the other apostles. My message was delivered to me straight from the mouth of Jesus. Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. In that, if you remember that account, Jesus appeared to him. And Paul says, look, and everybody around just saw a bright light and heard thunderous type noises. Paul saw the glorified Jesus And Paul heard Jesus say, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul responded, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And at that moment, Paul realized that Yeshua was Messiah, that Jesus was Messiah. And then he just gives in shorthand here, uh, he Went out to Damascus, he went to Arabia, and then he came to Damascus, and after three years, he went to Jerusalem just to meet Peter and James, the church leaders. He didn't consult with them. He went and met with them, and his ministry was unique. It was primarily to the Gentiles, and that is what triggered these bullies, these Judaizers, who would follow him and try to discount his apostleship. He's not really an apostle. He wasn't with Jesus for those three and a half years. And besides, he's teaching you 
that you don't have to obey the Mosaic law. They They were trying to undo what Paul had done. And that's what the letter to the Galatian church is going to be focusing on. Paul is going to take the disguise away from these Judaizers and reveal them for the force of evil that they are. Along those lines, before I quit for today, this has been one of the dynamics of the Christian church that I have wrestled with. And anybody who's a Christian wrestles with. Uh, James, when he wrote his epistle, wrestled with this. And it's the subject of works. You know, what must you do? Well, the Judaizers are saying, you must become circumcised. You must follow Mosaic law in order to enter into the kingdom of God to finish your conversion process. So there's your bowing your knee to Christ and circumcision and adherence to Mosaic law. You need to do those things to be entered into the world uh, uh, of our God, to become a child of God. And Paul was saying and preaching, all you need is to bow your knee to him. The Holy Spirit validates the message. The Holy Spirit validates the believer. And in the church, and I've wrestled with this, like I said, sometimes we get the cart before the horse. If I'm a Christian, I should do certain things. James says that. The overall message of the book of James was, show me what you do, and that will tell me whose you are, who you belong to. James is saying, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of the Messiah, then the fruit of that relationship should be seen in your life. We're going to get into the fruit thing here in Galatians. Paul agrees with James. So James is saying, if you say you belong to Jesus, then I ex- I have an expectation of seeing certain things occurring in your life. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And all the ways that that looks and works out in your life. So it's fine. If I'm a Christian... I should be expected to do and say and look certain thing, a certain way. Got it. If I get mixed up and I say, I start saying, you have to do this. You have to read your Bible at this time of the day. You have to pray at this time of day. You have to do these works. You have to do this. You have to do that. And all of a sudden it becomes things that I have to do, a list of things I have to accomplish in order to be a Christian That's what Paul was fighting against. None of those things are bad. Looking after widows is good. Tithing is good. Morning devotions is good, are good. All these things are good. But when they become requirements for salvation, they become bad. But when they're the outflow of your salvation, they're good. So sometimes it's kind of a, you get people who look at this, oh, if I'm going to be a Christian, I should read my Bible every day. If I'm going to be a Christian, I should pray every day. If I'm going to be a Christian, I should do these good works every day. That doesn't make you a Christian. And that was Paul's battle with these Judaizers. There's nothing wrong with trying to obey Mosaic law. If it's an act of worship, there's nothing wrong with adhering to feasts and customs if the purpose of those feasts and customs 
is to remind you and draw you back to the joy of being connected to the one that those feasts and customs point to. But when you just show up to the feast and do the things, you, these all these people, just because it's a thing you do, then you've missed it. This is what Paul was fighting with the Galatians. You're justified through grace, by grace through faith. That was his message. Jesus Christ crucified, raised on the third day. And now they were being approached by these, by Paul's enemies saying, yeah, that's good. And these other things have to happen. So that's what Paul's going to be dealing with here in Galatians. All right. I'm looking forward to this little jaunt. Uh, Tomorrow, chapter two. Until then, I'm Mr. G. Here's my coffee. I'm out of here. Bye-bye.